We are back. And in this hour, we are busting the marriage myth. And Dr. Ish Major, board certified psychiatrist, relationship and life coaches joining me, as well as Dr. Marsha Inhorn. She's the author of Motherhood on Ice, The Mating Gap and Why Women Freeze Their Eggs. She's also a professor of anthropology and international affairs at Yale University. So I want to start by uh, referencing this New York Times article, because this article caught my attention and made me want to speak to both of you about this subject. And the article starts by identifying a list of academics who are writing books, uh, one being Brad Wilcox of the Institute for Family Studies, uh, who's writing a book called Get Married, Why Americans Must Defy the Elites, Forward Strong Families, and Save Civilization. Uh, there's also uh, cited in this article work by economist Melissa Kearney. She has a new book out called The Two-Parent Privilege, How Americans Stopped Getting Married and Started Falling Behind. And her book, uh, she makes the... Uh, point, or she tries to prove the point, that kids with two parents fare better on a variety of life outcomes than those raised by single parents, who she says are overwhelmingly women. And the book, I mean, this article kind of goes on and on about this uh, pressure put on women to get married and this notion that somehow marriage is supreme and raising kids in a two-family household is going to result in, you know, kids who do better in life in various ways. But then the article goes on to talk about how unrealistic many of these uh, theories are, these authors are, and how these books are not in line with the reality that women face today and talks about women from all different socioeconomic classes, all races, all ethnicities. Uh, so I, I want to start with you, uh, Dr. Inhorn. you have a book out called Motherhood on Ice, The Mating Gap, and Why Women Freeze Their Eggs. And the women that I know, young women who are freezing their eggs, are freezing them because contrary to some of these other authors, they can't find a mate to marry and they're freezing their eggs so that they can later, when they meet someone, you know, increase their chances of being able to have children. So what does your research tell you about marriage and, and where most young women who want to get married stand today in terms of their prospects. You are exactly right. I have to say, I started the study about women who had already frozen their eggs. And I interviewed 150 American women from a variety of racial, ethnic backgrounds in this country and from across the country, East Coast, West Coast, and the middle of the country. And the assumption about egg freezing as a technology is that, oh, women are going to use egg freezing to advance their careers, to get their education, you know, to climb the corporate ladder, put off childbearing. So it was very much about the sort of selfish career woman. And that was sort of the assumption. Actually, much of the literature really uh, assumed that this is why women would would be motivated to undertake a very costly technology that costs about ten dollars to $15,000 for a single cycle. And so I got a, a study funded by the U.S. National Science Foundation to really ask women themselves, you know, well, what motivated you to freeze your eggs? And within the first 10 interviews, it was very clear to me that the popular rhetoric about egg freezing was simply wrong. And every woman, you know, woman after woman was saying, you know, I, I assumed I would be married. I've been trying to sort of 
being married, I've, I've, I've been looking for a partner all along through my education and my career, but I have an education and career already. That's not the problem. The problem is I'm single, single, single. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've tried, there was a lot of sort of self-blame, feeling like I must have done something wrong. Why me? It's a mystery to me. I've gone on the dating apps, they're torture. I've tried hard, but I can't find a partner. And women, you know, women who are motivated to freeze their eggs are are women who I say want the three Ps. They want partnership. They want to be pregnant using their own eggs and they want to be parents, you know, they want to parent together with a stable reproductive partner. But that was the thing that was missing. You know, 82% of the women who I interviewed at the time of their egg freezing, they were single, either because they simply had never had a partner in recent years, or because they had broken off from a relationship. There were divorces, broken relationships, you know, relationships that hadn't worked out. Or if there were 18% of women who froze their eggs when they did have a partner, but the partnerships were so unstable, you know, either, you know, the ones, either the relationships were new or they were not working out, they were very unstable. And even in the stable relationships that women thought they had, the problem was that the partner was unready to have children. So I really said, there's a partnership problem going on here, which is really causing this huge expanding sort of sector of egg freezing in our country. And I ended up calling it the mating gap that women really, they felt they were lacking men who were equal, kind of like them, educated, because these were mostly educated, college educated women, and, uh, you know, invested. I mean, they were equal, educated, eligible people who were eager to partner with them. So it is it was really a men as partners problem. I mean, not to condemn men, and we should probably talk about this together, but something is going on where men just feel unready to commit to this partnership project that is such a traditional heteronormative value in our country. Yeah, thank you for putting in perspective why women are freezing their eggs, because you're right. I remember that narrative that somehow this was all about women. We're so busy. You know, we want to have it all. We're going to freeze our eggs because we're going to be at work 18 hours a day. And this article and your research makes it clear uh Doc, that this is not what's happening, Dr. Major, that there is a mating gap. So you step in and help us understand that this isn't, you know, uh, something that's just theoretical, but this is real, that there is this inability for a lot of women to find a mate. It's rough out there, Ariva. That's my <laughs> that's my official doctor's take. <laughs> it's rough, right? And, and, you know, it's like Dr. Inhorn said, Women are freezing their eggs because their love life is every bit as frozen, right? When people don't know what to do, they do nothing. That's usually how we operate. We're in that fight, flight, or freeze mode. And the dating the dating game, the love game has shifted so drastically in just the last 20 years, we really don't know what to do. And we will try it once, we'll try it twice. It'll feel like we've tried it a million times because those two experiences were so miserable and then we just don't want to do anything else. Uh, but there is, a, there is a scary lack of viability out there. The interesting thing is with tech, we feel like, we feel like there's so many options. I can scroll all day long at, you know, at possible partners from China, from Russia, from, right, from Africa, from all over the world. But when I show up, you have that R 
are you moment, right? You know what I'm talking about? When you show up for that first date, that meeting in person, it's like, are you? Are you? Because you can't be the person I saw on your profile. This is not happening. And so those, there's that part, right? And so women are saying, hey, the options just aren't there. So they're marrying much, much later if they're getting married at all. So in light of that, Dr. Major, why are we still pushing this marriage myth? Why are we still promoting marriage as kind of the only relationship or the only way that uh, women should be thinking? And uh, then from there, that's the only way that you should be having children and raising children. And, you know, it used to be this notion that if you didn't have a mate, you were too picky, right? The woman was too picky. But now, based on what you're saying and what Dr. Inhorn is saying, it's not about being picky. Women just don't have choices. So why are books still being written about, quote unquote, the elites, or, you know, or somehow disdainful of marriage? It's not that people are disdainful of marriage. This article and what the two of you as experts are saying is women who want to be married can't find partners. So why do we keep feeding women this BS that somehow there's something wrong with them if they're not married? Well, it's it's that it's the patriarchal society from which we live, right? Um, it was very interesting while I was listening to Dr. Inhorn talking about some of the reasons why women were freezing their eggs, and three out of her four reasons had to do with them blaming themselves. Well, I must have done something wrong. I'm not, right? They internalize women internalize this process, and it's really not. And so, marriage has long been defined by the patriarchy as a standard for normalcy and stability across all cultures. But what's happening now, what started with our millennials and now with our Gen Zs, they are redefining that normalcy, right? They are redefining what relationships look like for them in terms of types of love or the types of relationships or the types of lifestyles, right? They're normalizing single parenthood. It is, it is no longer as 20 years ago, there was still some shame that went along with being a baby mama. Now, not so much. It's become more normalized. Normalized cohabitation agreements, normalizing social norms, and it's a different culture that we live in now, right? Because we're in an Instagram, TikTok culture. It's about me living my best life, getting my best shine. Tell me what part of me spent devoting 80% of my waking hours and 50% of my income to some little person who's not me has to do with me living my best life. There's a lot of different things going on that we need to come on and get this instant gratification from now. So there's a very different set of, it's a very different set of standards happening out there. No, that, that's absolutely correct. And so, Dr. Inhorn, I'll ask you, when you interview these women who are freezing their eggs because they don't have a partner at this moment and they want to have children later, they want to be parents, were they hopeful that by freezing my eggs today, maybe at age 30, that in five years and 35, or perhaps even by 40, that they would have a partner? Like, Or are they thinking like Dr. Ish, that maybe I'm just going to go to a sperm bank, have this egg fertilized and carry this child? and be a single parent? Yeah, they're thinking both, actually. You know, most women who, just to be clear, freezing your eggs, if you freeze your eggs at age age 30, those are your 30-year-old eggs in terms of the quality, the quantity. You know, those are your eggs at that biological age. And you can go back five years later or 10 years later. And when you thaw those eggs, they're actually technically, re they're rewarmed. Those eggs were your 30-year-old eggs. And so... You know, I think women, most women are doing it because they still are waiting for that unicorn, that magical mystery man who might be out there. He may not exist, however, but they're 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 looking still and and waiting for a mate, honestly. Um, and so I would say most women are still hoping that it might happen. 
But with egg freezing, I think all women think about option B. Often it was called plan B or option B, which is, well, if I get to age 40 or 42 or 45 and I haven't found the partner, you know, I have those eggs. Am I going to use them? Am I going to be what's now called a single mother by choice? Although I should say it, it really is single mother by circumstance for a lot of women. You know, they're circumstantially partnerless, if you if you will. But, you know, women were thinking about it. And for, for women, it was often like, do I have the economic resources to do it by myself? Do I have the support? Do I have family near me? They were thinking through that. And I think in my book, you know, Motherhood on Ice, I show the great variety of stories. You know, there were women who kept waiting and waiting. Some found a partner eventually. Um, and some women just decided to go it, go it alone, if you will, sometimes supported by other friends. And I found that girlfriends often sort of froze together. There was often like a bellwether woman who would be the first one to freeze and then she'd get her friends and her sister and they'd do it together. And, you know, sort of thinking about, as, as Dr. Major is saying, sort of unique ways of parenting, saying like we can do it together, you know, in a little community. But still, honestly, most women were hoping to find that partner, that mate. And I actually, in my book, really emphasize um, a sort of under um, under acknowledged issue, a demographic issue that we don't talk enough about. Um, but in the United States and in 60% of countries around the world, women are soaring educationally. You know, we should be celebrating how well women are doing in many cases in the U.S. and other countries. And so there's you know, a growing rate of people entering four-year colleges and universities, and they're mostly women. In the United States now, there are 27% more women in higher education than there are men in higher education. It's a huge disparity, uh, what my colleague John Berger, an economic journalist, called um, a college-educated man deficit. And it means that in those prime reproductive years, between the ages of, say, 22 and 39, there are 3 million more college-educated American women than there are college-educated American men. And so women who are educated today and always thought they'd find somebody sort of like them, sort of equal with a sort of college education, same values and so forth, there simply are not enough men like that to sort of go around. And I will say that educational disparity is more pronounced in minority country uh, communities in this country. And so I actually had, you know, women in my study talk about that, you know, like, would you be willing to, you know, what my colleague is called, do mixed collar mating, if you will, where you have a college degree, but you're willing to sort of be with, say, a carpenter or a plumber or something. And there were women who decided to do that. Like, it doesn't really matter that, he's not as educated as I am. He's kind, loving. He wants to have kids with me. But these are the kinds of things women were thinking through, um, you know, sort of making decisions that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise. But again, you know, to Dr. Major's point, people are coming up with sort of new ways of, of being. And I will say women in my study had a lot to say about men, <laughs> a lot to say about men. I have a whole table in my book called 10 Types of Men, a Woman's Lexicon, about the kinds of men that they had encountered. And since you all are in California, I'm going to tell you the term that I, I learned was the Peter Pan complex, you know, guys who just want to be a man child. They won't never, never want to grow up. They sort of want to have fun, play the field, go on the dating apps, have multiple commitments, be polyamorous, you know, wine and dine, but never really commit. Make that commitment. Up. Yeah. No, 
it so drove women crazy. It drove women crazy. Yeah, no, I can imagine. When we come forward, uh, Dr. Major, I want to ask you about that. Has something changed in our society where men just don't want to, as Dr. Inhorn said, make a commitment and women are looking for commitment? And if that's the case, how do we ever bridge that divide? Stay with us. KBLA Talk 1580. You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. We are talking about the marriage myth and Dr. Ish Major, board certified psychiatrist and relationship expert is here, as well as Dr. Marsha Inhorn. She's the author of Motherhood on Ice, The Mating Gap and Why Women Freeze Their Eggs. She's also a professor at Yale University. So Dr. Ish, Seems like so much is going on. Obviously, things have changed dramatically, as you uh, shared with us earlier. But is there something fundamental where just men are less willing or likely to make a commitment, even when they find someone that they love, than women? Because it looks like from this article that we've been tracking that women are still looking to get married. Right, right. It's an interesting question, right? And so if I'm if I reframe that, if I help you reframe that and think about why that might be, right? When you think about what does it take? So let's look at it from the other end. What does it take for a man to be all in, in his relationship? What does it take? Well, he's only got to know two things in order to want to stay with you forever. He's got to know why you need him and how you can make him happy. If you answer those questions for the man in your life or the person in your life with the masculine energy, they will show up and work your relationship like it's their job, right? If he doesn't think he's going to be able to consistently show up and do that job, he will not take that job. And so men, it's right. Women graduating and getting educated is not happening in a vacuum. Their male counterparts are seeing themselves getting left behind. They are seeing once those women graduate, them also graduating to a different type of man they are looking to date and not gravitating back towards them. So they understand this. They're feeling left behind. They're feeling incapable of getting the job done. So now they're gonna be less willing to dive in and be all in because they're not really sure how they're gonna be able to show up and make you happy. What am I contributing? What am I bringing to the stability of this family? And if they can't answer those questions, and if they're feeling resentful because they're feeling left out, then they're just not going to show up and they're not going to want to engage. That male grievance is a real thing we need to talk about. But what about those men, Dr. Uh, Major? And there are men mm-hmm. in graduate programs, in college. What about those educated men who are going off to good jobs, high paying jobs, who are you know, becoming doctors and lawyers and all of those things that we tell people in our society you should aspire to be? Because when I talk to women who are in college and in graduate school, they're meeting those guys and they're having the same issues as that guy who you said may feel like they don't have anything to contribute. Mm-hmm. Well, remember, everybody's getting married later across the board, right? Because I got to live my best life, Ariva, right? My <laughs> best life doesn't, that doesn't, that does not involve me. I'm asking, why doesn't the right? best life for that educated guy mean being married? Because that woman in college or graduate school, her best life is that commitment, finding a partner and starting that family. So why are the the notions of your best life different? And again, we're talking about this educated group. We'll talk right. about folks who are less right. educated, but right. you know, all things equal, why is your best life five girls and my best <laughs> life is you? <laughs> Have you been on Instagram lately? Have you been on TikTok? Because this is defining what our best life is. Right. It's everybody's highlight reel of we're on vacation and we're having good dinners and we're doing these fancy things and we're dressed fabulously. 
there's nobody on here changing diapers, right? There's no that none of that is happening. So so we're getting so we're getting our lives defined for us, not from the patriarchy as it used to be, but now from technology. And we're having trouble figuring out is this showing up and making us happy or is it not? Because what we also know is a lot of folks just aren't very happy, right? We just we just aren't. And those and the battle of the sexes, the masculinity versus the feminine, it's exploding. Did you see the last thing that went viral when the young lady posted a list of places that were unacceptable for the first date and it just exploded and went all across social media? Did you see this? No, I didn't see it. What, what were some of the places that are unacceptable? Arriva. So this was a list of places that were unacceptable. Cheesecake Factory, Applebee's, Chili's, Chipotle, <laughs> Olive Garden, the movies, your house. <laughs> okay. And so, <laughs> right? So listen, okay. on the surface, it sounds, on the surface, it sounds materialistic. It sounds superficial. It's uh, the men, the pushback from the guys were like, who do you think you are? In order right, to tell, why, why do you think you deserve? So that was the noise. That was the chatter. But as a psychiatrist, I'm like, oh, but but they missed the point of what these women were trying to say, right? This is, this for example, this is a list, for example, where we don't think that's acceptable. Nobody ever asked the question to them, why? Because those places as a woman don't help me feel special and unique. I want to show up on the date and I want to know that you thought about me and put some thought into this date and customize the experience for me. I want to, I'm looking to you to help me feel special. And they weren't able to have that conversation because it got lost in the bluster. So that's a great question. So obviously my next question, Dr. Inhorn, is if somebody made a list of acceptable places for the first date, what do you think that would look like, Dr. Inhorn, given the women that you interviewed for your book? Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you something that was really interesting. You know, I, yeah, I heard a lot about dating and the online dating and just, it was, women said, you know, honestly, it's torture. It's like a second job. It just is driving me nuts because you end up, you know, going on some dates. And I, I'm going to just say that women told me that men often just, you know, said kind of misogynistic things to them, especially women who had more education than the man that they showed up on the date with, you know, like, oh, I work at such and such federal agency. You do? That means you're smarter than I am. You know, like we can't go out. Men said a lot of things that were kind of offensive to women. And they said, you know, it just seems like, you know, women often said, you know, it just seems like the quality sometimes of the women that I hang out with seems higher than the men that I go out on dates with. So there was that sort of a uh, rhetoric. Um, but women also had some very insightful things to say. I did not interview a single man for my large study. It was 150 women. I have to be really clear. So I'm only talking about men through the eyes of women. But women had a lot of interesting things to say about men and what they thought was going on. They said, you know, we women were socialized by our moms to want gender equality, if you will, like that we can have gender equality at work and at home and have a domestic life with someone who treats us and values us as an equal. But we're not sure that men are actually socialized like that. Do they want to see somebody, you know, as an equal at home? And, you know, traditionally in marriage, I'm going to say traditional marriage values across the world, but in Amer in America, in anthropology, we have these terms, hypergamy marrying up and hypogamy marrying down. Women have been told you got to marry up, which gets back to this list of cheesecake factor, et cetera. Like that's right. not good enough, you know, to marry right. up. I want a guy who's going to take me to a fancy restaurant, right? 
Men, on the other hand, aren't told to marry up. They're told to marry down. She should be younger, fertile, not, not as much education. I'm, I should be the one, you know, the breadwinner and the one in charge. This is not working for people anymore. Now you've got a group of women who are educated, high, sometimes highly educated in graduate school with degrees, MDs, PhDs. They have nowhere to go up, you know, and men are intimidated of them. And I heard a lot about that from, and exactly what you're saying, Dr. Major, guys who feel like, what, what can I bring to make this woman happy? Nothing. She's got more education than I have. She's got more money, a better car. And women talked about this. They said they went on dates and like might invite a guy over to their place. Oh, she owns a, a condo. She's got a BMW. You know, she's doing much better than I am. And he's out of there. So that was a real issue. And then women also said, again, getting back to what both of you are saying, that people's life goals have just changed. You know, like living my best life. That's why people are delaying marriage. They think like there should be an extended period of time to have some fun and travel if I can. And that women said, you know, I've got a lot of guy friends. They're good friends, but they have no intention of settling down now. They're in their late 30s, early 40s. They're hiking. They're hanging out with their guy friends. They're taking photographs. They're doing all these other things. Parenthood, the idea of being a father is just not even in their thinking and they said they felt that was a huge generational shift, that father's generation was like, you're going to marry and have kids. You know, that was part of like our parents' generation. Like men didn't even think about an alternative, but that has shifted. And young people and young men no longer kind of see that as a necessity for their lives to live their best lives. So the whole notion of like men, they don't see diapers and having a little kid as part of their best life. And so women, women, it was, it was kind of tragic, really very heartbreaking for women who really, really wanted that. They wanted to have children within a partnership, not necessarily marriage, but just a stable partnership. And they felt that the norms, the social norms, some of them are not changing. Hypergamy and hypogamy are not changing, but the sense of like, what do we value in our lives and what do we want out of life? That has shifted in, you know, your generation. I'm older. I'm a generation older. But in your generation, things have shifted. <laughs> when we come forward, I got to ask you, Dr. Major, since it's not working and you both have laid out very clearly that this traditional <laughs> narrative and norms is not working, where do we go from here? And what do we tell these beautiful, educated women who we are encouraging to get this education and these great jobs who also want to be parents and also want to be in partnerships? What do we tell them when we come forward? KBLA Talk 1580. Okay, Dr. Major, this narrative, this, this uh, admonition that we give to women, get married, get married, get married, and if you're not married, there's something wrong with you. Uh, both you and Dr. Inhorn have uh, made it very plain that that is no longer working. So it seems like it's it's obnoxious to even tell that to women at this uh, point in our evolution. And the, the question I have to ask is, where do we go from here? Yeah. What are the solutions? What do you have to say to those women that want to get married? What do you have to say to those men who are resisting partnership and marriage? Right, right. You know why it seems obnoxious, Ariva? Because it is, <laughs> right? It just, let's be honest, it just is. You don't have the right to tell anybody how they're supposed to show up in their life and how they're supposed to live it so, to suit you and make you more comfortable, right? So I think my advice to women would be, right, across cultures, 
my advice would be go where you're appreciated, not where you're tolerated, right? Because if you're over here slugging it out in the dating jungle and you're just and you're just not feeling appreciated and you're feeling like it's it's kind of okay, but I'm not right. I don't they don't help me feel special here. They don't help me feel appreciated here. I don't feel like my worth and my value is being realized here. Right. So you're so let me interrupt you real quickly, Dr. Major, because I, I want to get this in before we run out of time. What about dating? coaches and consultants that are telling women to be more intentional, like to, to plan out trying to meet a man like you would plan out trying to go to medical school. Like if you want to be Dr. Ish Major, here's a pathway to get there. And they're dating coaches that are telling women, if you want to hook you a man, here's a you know 12 point plan and give me five grand, 10 grand for it. Is that a waste of time and money for women? I'll take your 10 grand, but I'm not, <laughs> not going to get right? <laughs> because here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. Right. Ladies, you can't meet your guy sitting in your condo and you can't meet him sitting in your house. Right. So what those dating coaches are doing is simply giving you giving you things to do outside of your home. And you're going to be on this. Right. You're going to be on this safari. You're going to be on this hunt over here. Right. You're going to be on this scavenger hunt. And while you're on the scavenger hunt for your person you're just going to stumble into them naturally because you're outside of your place doing things. So, so here's what I'm saying, right? You now, right. You, you're doing this. You can't do that. And so now your, your life is elevating. You're making more money. You're making more moves. You're owning homes at twice the rate as, as your male counterparts are right. Don't. So my mom would say, son, when you're moving forward in life, everybody can't come with you. Right. And so what I would tell my ladies is, it's okay to not look back. It's okay to look forward. It's okay to expose yourself to these new environments, these new places. And when you're there, do me a favor. Take this and put it down on the table and lift your head up and look around because the guys who you are looking for are out there looking for you, but they're never going to approach if you don't look approachable. And when your nose is buried in your screen, you don't look approachable. So you've got to let them know that you're open for business, right? Uh, uh, a neon sign, do some, right? Guys are constantly looking for the flat. Are you waving me home or not? Is it okay for me to come over? Hey, and say Dr. Hi Major, are we setting these women up for failure? Are we telling them to go out there and you know have their heads up high and look approachable? Because the numbers are they may do all of that and still not meet a guy because mm -hmm. of just the the sheer math in it. The right, the Arivas, like you said, the math ain't mathing. But it's mathing better out there than it is in your home. So you've got to get out there and you've got to slug it out. And all these places that you're aspiring to be, they're guys there too doing the same thing. And they're looking for somebody like you. And so, and, and, right, before you get out of that house, you've got to adjust your love story, right? What is well, your love story? Dr. Major, we just said they're out there looking, but they ain't looking to hook up with you because they're living their best life. And they, they got five others like you that are hunting them because of the math. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I, I'm just wondering, should we tell women something different? Like, you got to learn to love yourself. You, you have to learn to love other things about your life. And you might meet a man. And realistically, you may not. And it's all okay, right? It's, a, it's what I call the Disney distortion. This fantasy of how our life is supposed to be runs smack dab into our zombie apocalypse reality, which is, okay, and now it's not like that. So I must think I must be doing life wrong. No. So what, what, what's got to happen is you're 100% right. It's got to start with you, right? You Here's what I, if I'm your dating coach, if I'm telling you how to meet your person, it all starts with you. What are those things you're going to do this week that are going to show you that you love yourself? You're going to take yourself to dinner. You're going to take buy yourself a gift. You're going to plan a trip. What are you going to do? Because 
What the other thing that's happening is when we show up, we're so used to not treating ourselves well, we can't tell when somebody's trying to treat us well, right? It feels weird. So you got to give yourself that love that you're looking for out there. You got to emanate it. You got to you got to radiate it out, and then you'll attract it back. But when you show up with that narrative, hey, there's nobody out here. All men are dogs anyway. Guys aren't looking to guys aren't looking to couple up and cohabitate. Well, if that's your thought process, if that is your love story, your brain is looking for guys to help you make that love story come true, right? But if you change your love story, you change the folks who are going to be looking to be your supporting actor in that story. And they're out there. I promise you they're out there. But it's got to start with what you're thinking. And then it'll show up in what you're doing and what you're attracted to. Can I just add to the conversation, you know, at the end of my book, I, I did exactly what you, you're saying, Reva, like, what are the solutions to this particular situation? And I'm going to just say that for women in their early thirties who really know that they want to have children with their own eggs and be pregnant with their own eggs, there is this new technology of egg freezing um, and more and more women. I mean, the numbers are exploding in terms of using it. And um, so that is a, something to consider if you have the economic means. The problem is it's not a fair technology. It's so expensive that it's really prohibitive for a lot of women. And to me, it's a reproductive justice issue because part of reproductive justice is really the right to found a family. And so this is really what we're talking about for women who really want to have a child. You know, that is an issue for women who want to have kids. At any rate, egg freezing is something just to think about, especially in that sort of early 30s period when it might be most effective. But I have to say, I did the thing that I sort of ended up suggesting in the end of the book, which is I ended up marrying a man some 30 plus years ago who was less educated than I was. He had actually dropped out of college. He had to go back to college. And then he wasn't on my timeline, but he eventually went to graduate school. He got a master's degree. You know, he actually works with me here at Yale University. But he, you know, I, I, he was, you know, not in my sense a sort of educational equal, but I could tell he was intelligent, he was kind, and he wasn't necessarily interesting, interested in having kids. But when I brought it up and said, it's really important to me, that was my bold move. I have to have kids. He was like, okay, I'll consider it. I'm not completely opposed, right? And so I think maybe just opening the horizons a little bit and maybe considering men who you never thought were going to be maybe a mate for you, actually, they could end up being a really wonderful, loving partner to you. So expanding your sense of who might be that unicorn out there. That's, uh, that's so, so great that's advice. So Go ahead, Dr. Uh, yeah. Major, and last that, point. That, that's so critical because women have this idea in their in their head, this Disney distortion about who it's supposed to be. And when it show up, it doesn't look like that. Well, they think, well, oh, okay. Well, that's that's not what- So wait a minute, Dr. Major, you're saying go to the Cheesecake Factory, go to <laughs> Applebee's. <laughs> I'm saying expand your horizons and the guy who you thought you were gonna spend the rest of your life mit life with, he may not show up in the rapper you thought he would, right? Which is a problem when we talk about women of color because women of color are loathe to date outside of their race. Right. So you've got to start to expand and broaden your horizons and not let your girlfriends and your mom and them tell you what your life is supposed to look like. Go find your happiness and you define it for yourself. Can I just say, can I just say, I hope we have a minute. I was just in Toronto at an anthropology meeting and I was really stunned just in Toronto, this incredible cosmopolitan city about how many interesting, diverse couples were together walking around different, you know, ethnic and racial backgrounds. Right. It was different than what I've seen in the United States. And I, I think Toronto is a really good model of sort of 
diverse cosmopolitanism and people not feeling that they have to fit into the same sort of racial, ethnic, educational, whatever category. Right. Yep. And along with this final point on this, both of you doctors, we have to change this narrative about the kinds of people that women should date and that men should date. So we can't just keep telling women you have to date up and it has to be a rich, handsome guy that, you know, is like a prince from Disney. And we can't keep telling men it has to be a young, sexy, you know, blonde that doesn't have a brain in her head because that's, you know, the arm candy that you need. So we also have to change how we're raising Right. our daughters and our sons and this narrative that locks people into these boxes that no longer fit. We are out of time. Such an interesting conversation. Thanks to both of my incredible guests today, Dr. Ish Major and Dr. Marsha Inhorn. Make sure you pick up her book, Motherhood on Ice, The Mating Gap and Why Women Freeze Their Eggs. This is a conversation we're going to keep having. I hope to have you both back.